The following podcast is brought to you by Babe Media. I'm Emma Clark. And I'm Kelsey Burdett. You know those people you follow that just seem to get it? They have the Instagram content that you actually watch. They own the brands that you just can't stop buying from. And they tell the stories you actually remember. The kinds of people that leave you wondering, how do they do that? Well, we follow them too. And we have the exact same question. Join us as we interview the people that leave us thinking, oh, they get it. Welcome back, everyone, to part two with Gabby Uyoa. This time, we're talking all about writing, storytelling. We get back into freelancing a bit. Mm-hmm. I will say, if you haven't listened to part one with Gabby, it might help just for a little bit of context because we do yeah. reference that a bit. But but yeah, this one was... I, I really enjoyed it. Great Me takeaways. Too. Me too. And as someone who's thinking about content in a more meaningful way lately super helpful tips, like from a a journalistic and an interviewing perspective, but also to like a structure and time management perspective. Definitely listen the whole way through because we drop some serious tips and nuggets towards the end of the conversation. Mm -hmm. Spoiler alert, shooters shoot. Okay. (laughs) Now let's get into it. Let's do it. Okay, we are back for part two with Gabby. If you listen to part one, we honestly went everywhere in part one. It was a really fun conversation. But this one, we really want to dig into Gabby's craft because she is an incredible writer, an incredible storyteller. And I think storytelling and writing is applicable no matter what you're doing. If you have that as a skill, it just opens up so many doors. Um, So Gabby, to start, what do you think makes a great story? I mean, it's such a good question. I think it depends on the person. But for me, I am obsessed with people and the people behind the story and the person behind the story, even if you wouldn't think that the story has anything to do with the person. I think you find out so much more about, let's say you're talking about a product or a brand, if you like actually dive deep into that person and their life and their story. So I think I would say, one, the person behind it all, for sure. I think, two, what makes a great story is finding the why in it? Like, why does someone care? Uh, Are they going to see themselves related mm -hmm. in it? Are they going to feel validated? Are they going to see themselves in the story? Is it going to like cut through the other noise? Like, like why? Third, so let's see, the person, the why, and I think just having a very clear and unique point of view and perspective Mm -hmm. and voice. Yeah. Man, okay, I'm writing these down because I want to come back to all of them. Um, But the human, that's something that's so interesting and relevant to me because like, I'm not a journalist. I'm not a writer. I'm not a good storyteller. Naturally, I'm trying to get better at it. Yes, you are. You have a podcast. You're a good storyteller. I mean, having a podcast does not mean you're a good storyteller. They're not synonymous, but it does help me flex the muscle. And so that's why it's like, it's obviously something I want to get better at. How, How do I go about finding not the story that someone tells me, how do you see through that? How do you go layers deeper? I think I just try and think about what I'd want to read and what I would want to sit there like learning about. Because sometimes I think, especially as a freelancer, like you get pitched or as an editor, full-time, whatever, regardless, as a writer, you get pitched so many things from PR people. And I think sometimes PR people have this tendency to like want to put this like neat bow on their client oh yeah and pitch it as like this 
perfect thing with like no holes in it. And I'm like, mm, what's what? Where are the holes in it? You know what I mean? Like that's no one. No one's gonna care. Mm-hmm. It's not relatable. And I think we're just over that in our society of seeing this like perfect pretty picture. So I just try and think about yeah. what something that I'd want to read. Like I, I don't want to read a story about a founder that like like this girl boss culture that like came from the you know who's of the world. You know what I mean? Like we don't need to yeah. drop names. We I don't know. like, I don't care. I don't yeah. want to listen. Like no. your hair was probably falling out. I want to hear about that. Yeah. You yeah, know? exactly. Well, and that's the thing because I don't think there's any person who hasn't been through shit in their life. Right. Like that is the one thing that connects everybody. No, it's such a good point. Give the real story vulnerability is it and it makes me happy because that helps it's people more realistic. like when you can hear what actually yeah, it's more on. realistic because then you have founders that like step into the space and look like i haven't launched a product i haven't done that in that space yet but i have friends who are female founders who like walk into a space thinking it's going to be this like super fun and like always creative process and then they're like breaking out in rashes every day because like they have to understand their finances. Yeah. They have to like, they have investors. They have to report to them. Like there's all the stuff that nobody talks about. And then you're just shocked. And then you also feel like a failure when it doesn't work. Like the amount of these companies that have pivoted yes. 700 times, yes. but no one knows. Like someone that I love is um, Allie Craigsman. She's co-founder of Bulletin. Okay. And she is so open about how Bulletin really had to shift. And like, she would be an incredible interview. Like she's, she's the best because she openly talks about how she, and she comes from that generation of girl boss people. And she's like, no, thank you. Like I reject all of it. And she's very open about the struggle that it was to start the business. And even now, like she's been on Forbes, like all these things. And she's still like, I'm still struggling. Like it's not this beautiful picture. She just came out with a book. Like it's, she's amazing because she's so honest about it. Cause she's like, why am I going to like lead you to like jump into this abyss? And then you're you feel like a failure because it didn't work out the first time when in reality, neither did these other businesses. You know where I think that comes from? Like nobody that's confident in themselves needs to tell a version of their story. They can tell their whole story when they are proud of what they've done and they're like in a place where they're secure with themselves. And Mm. I think that's so true. Like I've heard founders say like, you're eating shit 99% of the time. And then you hit a milestone and that's what PR covers. And it's like, well, what about all of this that didn't go well beforehand. And I agree that people want to be like vulnerable. And I think that people like the relatability. I'm more so curious. It's like, how does that not get tiring? How can you not just tell the story of people eating shit and still make it like inspiring or still make it like productive? I know I've said that twice now, but I'm trying to think of like how you move that forward. I mean, that's a really good question. I think you need to celebrate your wins. Like I'm not sitting here saying, let's only talk about the losses. Let's only talk about your failures. Like I want to hear your wins. I think we as women need to celebrate ourselves more and pat ourselves on the back more and step up more and be proud of ourselves more. Um, So I think it's about finding a balance and just having the honesty. I think people really just relate to that. Like they, when there's authenticity behind something, I think you relate to it. But at the end of the day, like there's been so many articles that I've written, especially now that I'm working on this podcast that all is it's all about mental health. Sometimes I get stuck on that like hamster wheel of talking about my feelings. And I have one of my best friends, like she is truly one of the only people that like yanks me out of it because she mm-hmm. knows that the people that I'm surrounded with, particularly in LA, are also like me, yes. where they're talking about their feelings for work or 
they're, you know, oversharing on the internet or whatever, like they, they also, it's like they continue to validate it. And then I continue on this hamster wheel. Not that like, that's always bad, but I have this one friend who literally like, she said to me on the phone, like, she's always just like, it's not that deep. Like, it's just, it's not always that deep. It's not that deep. We were on the phone the other day and I was like rambling about something. And then I was like, oh my God, where's the moon? And she literally was like, I'm going to need you to stop. She was like, look, I love astrology as much as the next person. I love like journaling under a full moon and like charging my crystals. But like, sweetie, you're mad because you're mad. You're not m- mad because the fucking moon is in cancer. Like, uh-uh. Get- <laughs> so no, she good. doesn't play. Honestly, <laughs> I love it. I feel like Kels is that person for me sometimes. <laughs> like everyone just, needs that. And you, you mean it's not that deep. Like yeah. I wrote a whole article. My mom wanted to kill me. I wrote an entire article for Birdie about getting my nipple pierced. And <laughs> look, it's an article. Like it's people are gonna want to read it. I also had like a word count that I had to meet. So I was like trying to like shit out fucking content. I'm probably can I curse on here? <laughs> yes. And yeah, you can. Um, Absolutely. I'm like typing it and I'm like writing this whole thing about like, you know, why piercings like why like being in an emotionally abusive relationship and like not feeling like I had control over my body like made me really obsessed with piercings and it was like this whole like drama and then I ended the article and I was like and sometimes it's just like not that deep like I look hot bye it's about finding a balance and both yeah and both are valid and both by the way can yeah. coexist and can, they're not yeah. mutually exclusive Bingo. I think yeah. it's just finding that balance oh my gosh. So <laughs> going funny. back to the question yes that is so funny I love it no, honestly, I'm loving all the tangents we're going on. It's so good. Okay, so what is your writing process oh. like? Like if you sit down to write an article, break mm. that all down. I need us. to be alone. I can't be in a coffee shop. I can't be in public. I need to be alone. I feel that. Um, I have like a little office in my apartment that doesn't have – it's a little den that doesn't have any windows. And this is mm-hmm. the thing. And I have like a little sofa that I'll lay on. Um, it depends on the story. I think – if it's like a very straightforward piece about it's like a roundup, let's say I'm like talking about products, that's very easy for me to like send out because typically those are more in the voice of the publication. Yeah. The articles that I really get stuck on are the ones that are like personal narrative or about people that I really care about. Like whenever I'm talking about founders or uh, like particularly like Latin culture and people in that community, like I get really hung up on that. But I always start with I have like a notebook that's I have I'm obsessed with notebooks and like I have notebooks for like every part of my life because it's the way that I compartmentalize my brain. And I have a notebook that's specifically mm-hmm. for writing. And I always ask myself, I'll write at the top of the page. I'm like, what's the story? What do I want to read? What's the story? Because I think you can get lost in like so many things and then you're just wasting your time going totally. on tangents, like, but you're writing them out and it's just a waste. So I always ask myself, what's the story? And I always try and go back to that because I am queen of oh no, but there's something there. Let me write about that yeah. instead. And then I go off on all these tangents, but it's yeah. not a podcast. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's an yeah, 800 it word article. Mm-hmm. So I try and stick to what it is and get to the point. And sometimes that also helps you come up with future pitches and ideas because you're like, oh, let me, I want to explore that branch of this. Kiwi, yeah. this this is a super detailed question, but are you handwriting your first No. Drafts? Okay. No. Oh my God. No, 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 no. I do with a notebook like when I'm sometimes when I'm like brainstorming pitches, I yeah. like to handwrite it because I, I just feel like screens distract me. Yeah. And so when I'm doing my little what's the story thing, I handwrite that. But oh my God, absolutely not. Okay, <laughs> I was going to no. say, that is a whole other <laughs> level of commitment that I am just not prepared for. But no, that makes a lot more sense. And so, like, this is a selfish question. But when I'm writing, 
there are some times that it just flows out of me and I finish it and it's mm-hmm. super easy. And then there are other times when it's like I'm beating my head up against a wall. How do you overcome writer's block? I step away. I close the okay. computer. I, staring just at a screen is not going to do anything for anyone. Yeah. Like, and, mm-hmm. and I actually try and relax because I'm, I procrastinate a lot. Like mm-hmm. I, I really procrastinate a lot. And it's because I think I'm obsessed with it being perfect. Yeah. And I'm not saying that like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm a perfectionist in like such a good way. Like it's really unhealthy. And I, I have this like fear of producing bad work. And I think I procrastinate as much as I can because I just, I don't want to start it because I don't want to produce something bad. And I'm like, oh, I work great under pressure. And then I don't have a choice. I like yeah. have to do it. You are I have dying. a deadline. Yeah. yeah. But if I'm ever in a rut, I close the computer and I actually try and relax. I don't like obsess over it. I'm like, let's just leave it and we'll come yeah. back in a little bit. It is. And I feel like that's when, once you create that space, like that's how you actually yeah. get those thoughts. To also, come I will say that what I've been doing, especially since moving out to LA and like being around people who are founders or are just in creative industries, really what's helped me a lot is I'll have work days where, for example, my friend Sarah, she founded this incredible bamboo underwear company that's like all about sexual wellness. It's called Beware. And she's my like work wife where Mm. we'll have like, we do it on Fridays usually because the end of the week we're like wrapping up and we'll just, we'll go meet somewhere and we just work all day and we're, but we're outside of our homes. And so whenever I'm with people like her, that's an opportunity to brainstorm. That's an opportunity to bounce ideas off each other. And even if you're not like brainstorming about your own product or about your own business, it's really inspiring to be around people who really give a shit about what they're doing. Yes. And it sort of like re-sparks that in you and then you get motivated and you're like, oh, I really want to talk about this. Or like, oh, this is a great way to start this. So I feel like I put it aside and then I also couple that with being surrounded by people who inspire me. Mm-hmm. It's so, so good. It's so true. Me and Kels were talking about that too. Like it's crazy how if you're having an off day or you're just, you're not in the right mindset, just having a conversation can totally change oh, yeah. the trajectory of your day. Like that's part of the reason why we love the podcast so much, especially during COVID and last winter in Toronto, we were in lockdown the entire winter and it was bleak mm. and being able to have those bright moments in the day of just having a conversation. Like it's so much more powerful than we think yeah, sometimes. Definitely. Especially in person, like, which is something I think we've really lost sight of. Mm-hmm. It makes a difference. Yes. I don't even remember what it's like to meet someone new in person anymore. It's been so long. (laughs) I was on set recently for a story that I was working on. And I remember when they assigned me the story, I was so annoyed because the story was, I had to interview like 15 people on set. Like it was a shoot, a two day shoot. And it was 15 content creators. And I was like, this is going to be the worst two days of my life. And I was so energized. I mean, I was exhausted, but I was so like, this is why I do what I do at the end of the day, because it was just fun to be around other people who also like what they're doing and are there for a common purpose. And it reminded me of that reason that I was obsessed with magazines when I was a kid was because it was this like tangible thing. And then you at the end of the day are like, I contributed to that. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. And I have a couple other like um, freelancing specific questions, if you don't mind, if we go through a couple of those. So like, I'm, I'm just trying to think I'm using your advice, actually, like, what is the story here? What would I want to know as a listener of this podcast? And I I can't help but think like, I would want to be understanding 
what I need to know before embarking on doing the freelance work. And I think the rates conversation that you were talking about is a really smart starting point. If I don't have friends who are also freelance writers or freelance whatever, how would you recommend someone goes about setting their rates? Good question. Honestly, this is my ins- my my Instagram. This is my um answer for so many things. Go on, DM someone. Just ask. find a writer. Yeah, just yeah. ask. Ask because they might say no. That's fine. But honestly, go on your favorite publications, find the writer that you like, message them, find their Instagram. It's like you can find everything online these days. Also, there's websites like Glassdoor that you can look yeah, at. I was wondering about that. Or like mm-hmm. even just going and looking at the freelancers on like Fiverr or Upwork yeah. and then understanding that you're exactly. probably an echelon above. Okay, here's one other like nuanced question though. You're asking people who are already established. Is there like a cut you should take off of their rate when you're determining what your rate should be? Sometimes. Yeah. I think in the beginning I had that mentality of, mm-hmm. oh, I'm asking somebody who was an editorial director and now left and yeah. is freelancing, like their rate's going to be different. That said, when I was doing that, I will say people really started taking advantage of me. And I've written some stories that were pretty big stories that I got paid such little money for. And then later really? like talked about it with somebody else. And they were like, Gabby, like, no, think about it. Like in the content creator space, like you're, you're not, if you don't have a million followers, you're not going to ask a rate of someone who has a million followers. Like, you know, you're going to, it's relative. Mm-hmm. But there are standard rates, like a lot of magazines. There, are. there, so it's it's that is like understanding a standard rate. And look, there's magazines that I have great relationships with that I write a ton for, and like sometimes I get a little bump in what I'm doing if they have it in the budget. But I'm writing a standard rate for them. Yeah. I gotcha. So it's it's there are places where like there isn't a lot of wiggle room, but there mm-hmm. are just some publications that really charge like it's just bad it's bad yeah so i would figure out standard rates message me creators dm me i'll tell you oh my gosh that was the cutest plug ever and i was talking over it gabby said message her if you're curious send her a dm um definitely encourage you to do that so i work in the creator space and what i've found is actually very similar to you we get people who let's just say a standard rate for 30,000 followers is a thousand bucks a post. I'm just going to make that up. We have people shooting their shot, $2,500, $3,000, whatever. And if you're good, a brand will negotiate with you. They're not just going to completely write you off. So what do you have to lose? What do you have to lose? Also research. Okay. If we're talking about content creation, which is something that I'm very new to, but I have a lot of friends in that space. Yeah. Research the brand because I had an, like this just happened to me. Um, I got offered to be part of like something. It was like my first ever like real like, okay, I'm getting actually paid for Instagram type thing. And yeah. I looked up the brand before because I was like, oh, they're kind of a small brand. But I was like, wait, what's their revenue? And you can find this all online. Oh, yeah. And it was like millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's changing what I'm going to tell them my rate is. Double, so, triple. <laughs> yeah. So be smart because also like yeah. if you lowball yourself, like whenever they say yes automatically, I'm like, Oh, you know. should have gone higher. You know, like, I should have yeah. gone higher. <laughs> so just like shoot your shot. Don't be ridiculous, but like shoot yeah. your shot. Shoot your shot. Shoot your shot. Shoot your shot with reaching out to people that you want to learn from. Shoot your shot with asking for money. Like it's it's not as risky or scary yeah. as people can make it up. Brands have more head. money than we I think, and they just don't oh, tell do us. they ever? And massive totally. marketing budgets. Oh, huge. Yeah, huge. And they're like, we're just like a small yeah. company that like doesn't have any money. And I'm like, liar. Some yeah. are. Some are like you can tell, you can tell, you can't. I think use your judgment. Yeah. Um. 
Okay, yeah. I've got one more question and I don't want to keep you way over. So Emma, then I'll let you um, jump in. But like I did some freelance stuff in like before this job that I'm in now. And I found scheduling to be such a nightmare. I had like oh a million God. things to do and I procrastinated like it was my day job and it was just a mess. How do you organize yourself? I think it's just the assistant in me. Like I really pride myself. I'm like, I was a great assistant. Like I was oh really gosh. good at it. And that's something that I don't like have shame about, like patting myself on the back. I'm like, I good. ran that woman's life so well. Uh-uh. Like I was great at that. So I think I I really just I I staying organized keeps me calm. It's the same yeah. thing because when you're wearing so many hats as a freelancer, like it's it's difficult to block out time. So I when I first started, I would literally put blocks in my calendar Sorry. of like today I'm doing this. I'm doing that. These hours are for this. And then I started to realize like, okay, I need to be a little bit more flexible because by the way, that's the beauty of freelance. When I first yeah. started, I was, if I wasn't working the same hours that I was working when I was at AD, I was like, I'm not doing enough. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. And it's like that mm. perpetual cycle of psychosis that you're like, oh my God, why am I not working more? Especially yeah. as freelancers, please be wary of that because you, since you're getting like, since you have to do the outreach, at least for as a writer, like Yes, I have some magazines that bring me pieces that they want me to write, but I'm pitching a lot. And sometimes yeah. if I'm not pitching enough, I'm like, oh my God, did I just like get myself out of like X amount of money for next month because I didn't spend those two hours pitching? Oh. So I have to like get myself out of that because that's a really gross place to operate out of. But I just started to figure out the way that I work best, the times of day that I work best and sort of mm. releasing the stigma mm. of I need to be up at my computer at 8 a.m. every day. Like, I wake up at eight. Yeah. I like take like two hours to myself in the morning. Like I, I'm not like sitting in front of my computer until like 1030. And that's like on a great day. That's like on a great day because I also know sometimes I write, I like writing at night. So like I'm going to be working at night. So I don't need to be doing it. I can go get lunch with my friend in the middle of the day. So I think it's just finding actually what works for you because we need to remember that work days and the way that our lives are structured were created to appease men because Fake it was news. all based on their 24-hour yes. clock. But as women, we have another biological clock that we have to deal with. And waking yeah. up at the ass crack of dawn is just not going to do it because we're not making testosterone in the middle of the night like they are. We're not ready to go. Listen to Alyssa Vitti, everyone, yes. because that oh, Alyssa Vitti talks about this a lot. So it's just reframing and sort of figuring out what works for you, the individual. And remembering yeah. that's why part of the reason you probably mm-hmm. went freelance. Yeah. Yeah, completely. That's a big part of why I left my job. Like I got so sick of people telling me what to do mm-hmm. and when, because it just wasn't, it wasn't getting the best out of me. And it's definitely, I'm still figuring it out. I've only not been working for like six months. Um, so I'm still figuring it out, but it's, oh, thank you. Yeah. It's so nice to be able to like make your own schedule and work when you want to. And yeah, it's a bit of a mind fuck. I'm but still learning it's definitely by the way. The like I've only been freelance for a year. Like yeah. I have a lot to learn. I am, <laughs> please everyone take what I'm saying with a grain of salt. Like I am, we're figuring it out. <laughs> we're all just figuring yeah. it out. We're all just figuring it out. Oh my gosh. Okay. I could just keep chatting with you forever, Gabby, but we'll be mindful of your time. We'll wrap it up here. Thank you so much for coming on. This was such a fun conversation. Oh my gosh. Thank you both. This was so fun and so nice. And I hope it was helpful to anyone listening. I absolutely think it was.
Okay, so if I wasn't already entertaining the idea of freelance writing before, after this episode, I am. It's official. I'll start with they get it. Hopefully pump out some good content. Now, thanks to all of Gabby's tips, tons of good nuggets in here for anyone that's even considering the realm of freelance. Yeah. And like, honestly, there's a lot of money to be made in content, whether that's writing, whether that's social media, whether that's podcasting, like being a part of the attention economy, there's so much money flowing through it. And we got to get that coin people. Okay. (laughs) So work on your writing or work on your content creation. I mean, no, you don't have to, you don't have to, but if you want to, yeah, there's a lot of money and why not? Why not? If that's your thing, there has never been a better time. I think that's Literally. what we're trying to say here is like there is no excuse anymore. If this is your passion, then it can suddenly be a business and it can be something mm-hmm. that fits you creatively and also financially. What more could you want? Exactly. And if you just want to write for writing's sake and you don't want to capitalize, I totally get that too. But if you do, just saying. Yeah. Just That's saying. it. Okay. <laughs> so we hope to enjoy these episodes with Gabby. Like we said, she was just so easy to chat with, so fun to chat with. We do have a YouTube channel. We'll link it in the show notes in the description. And we would love if you guys would subscribe because we just, I think we have 50 subscribers and it's just kind of embarrassing. It is. So if you could subscribe, if you could chuck us a like to a video or anything, that would just really help us. Yeah. Because yeah, we're trying to build a media machine here. Okay. Yeah. We really are. Do you want to know something cute? My brother, I was talking to him on the phone and he's like not an entrepreneurship D to C kind of guy. He works in auto and like just not our target market. He's also a dude. Um, And he told me that he plays our YouTube videos on silent behind his work so that we get more plays. Stop it. Isn't that so cute? (laughs) Brother of the year. I thought I was the only one that did that, but that's so (laughs) sweet. (laughs) He's really, he is like our most dedicated of those 50 subscribers Uh, honestly (laughs) I love supportive people oh yeah so much it just warms my heart like anytime about that a lot lately we have and honestly it just it unlocks potential in people yeah it really does like I was chatting with a friend the other day just saying how I've grown into myself and become more myself because I've developed friendships with people who encourage what I do like it's It's so powerful. So maybe the other call to action is tell someone that you appreciate them. Oh my gosh. I just got goosebumps. Literally support a friend, listen to their own podcast, like their, or start following their like side hustle account. Tell them you appreciate them. It costs you $0 and it truly does mean the world to the people who are putting themselves out there. It does. It does. Love that call to action. That was so cute. Cute. Okay. Okay, well, we'll we'll love you and leave you. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day and you'll hear more from us soon. Bye.